Amen. All right. Well, we're there in Proverbs chapter number 22. And uh, we've been going, like I said on, in the, during the announcements, we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings entitled A Faithful Family. We're learning principles from the Word of God, how to have a family that's growing in the Lord, growing spiritually and uh, full of faith. And we've been talking about this idea of, of children over the last uh, couple of weeks. We started the series talking about breaking generational curses, establishing generational blessings. Last week we talked about raising children that know and love the Lord, and we saw the story of Eli there with his sons and Samuel. We're going to go back to the story of Eli just for uh, a brief moment this morning. But uh, this morning I want to speak to you about a very specific subject. I want to preach to you on the subject of how to properly discipline your children, how to properly discipline your children. And you know, our church is blessed in the sense that we have a lot of young families, a lot of kids here. Uh, a, a lot of uh, families that are in the stage of raising their kids and in the process of disciplining their kids now. And this sermon is very uh, applicable to them. And I want, if you have children that are living in your home, uh, I want you to listen today. And, and I'm going to give you several uh, statements. I'd like you to write them down. But maybe you're here this morning, and like I've said last week, and you don't yet have children. And maybe that's uh, something that the Lord might bless you with in the future. Well, you need to write these things down too so that you can learn it, so you can be ready for it when it comes. And maybe you're here, and maybe you're in that stage of life where you, your children are now gone. Well, uh, you may be a grandparent. Well, you know, you need to be reassured or reconfirmed or maybe taught these things as well uh, because you can pass these things down to your grown children and make sure that they understand it for your grandchildren. Or you can just pass it down to any young couple, you know. And I, I believe this, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know if we'll get to it in this series, but uh, I think we need to learn about the stages of our lives. And when you get to that stage where you're kind of an empty nester, where you no longer have kids, you, know, you should really be focusing on, on investing in young couples and, and young people in the next generation coming up. And that's a, uh, that's a subject for another time. The point is this. This is a very needed sermon. I want you to write these statements down. I want to give you this morning four steps for properly disciplining your children. I want to say this. If you were not here for last week's sermon, uh, you should really go back and listen to that sermon because that sermon is coupled with this sermon. They, they, They are connected in the sense that we're talking about discipline this morning and how to discipline your children, but that's not all parenting is about. Last week we talked about having the heart of your children and training your children and and teaching them uh, right. So you really need both aspects. So I would encourage you to go back and maybe you were here last week, but you should uh, refresh that from time to time. But I want you to, to learn this morning in regards to properly, properly disciplining your children, scripturally disciplining your children. I'd like you to write down four statements. The first statement is this, or point number one is this, you need to confront the problem. When it comes to disciplining your children, you need to confront the problem. And what I mean by that is you need to not make excuses for your children's behavior. We're talking about how to raise children that are well-behaved, how to raise children that are uh, polite and that are respectful and that are uh, thoughtful and kind. And the first step is to, is to confront the problem. You're there in Proverbs 22. We're going to spend most of the sermon in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs speaks a lot on the subject of disciplining children. We're going to leave it for a couple of verses here and there. But I want you to notice Proverbs 22 and verse number 15. Notice the first part of the verse says this, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That word bound means to fasten, to fix in place, to tie up. The same way that you would, uh, maybe if you were uh, storing something, uh, you, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the roof of a vehicle, you might bind it down with, jumpy, uh, with, with cords or something like that. The Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Now, you can separate foolishness from the heart of the child, but they come to you. And here's what you need to understand. Children come to you as sinners. Children come to you with a sin nature. They come to you with, with the, they already have in them the ability to sin, the ability to be foolish, the ability to do wrong, uh, and they get it from you. They get it from mom, and they get it from dad. Why? Because they got your sin nature. 
and you got your sin nature from your parents and all the way back to Adam, that's why we are sinners. We were uh, born sinners. We are sinners. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. And here's what I want you to understand. If you're going to have children, if you're going to have children that are going to be well-behaved, that are going to be uh, well-behaved children, the first step is you're going to have to quit making excuses for your children. Because what I have found over the last seven years of ministry is that parents will often make excuses for their children's bad behavior. When children are acting up and when they are doing wrong, instead of confronting the problem and just realizing there's an issue here, there's a problem with this child, we need to confront it and correct it, they'll simply excuse it. And listen to me, usually we excuse our children's behavior because of the fact that we are embarrassed by our children's behavior. You're there in Proverbs 22. Keep a finger there. We're going to come right back to it. But go to Proverbs 29. Look at verse number 15. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. Proverbs 29, 15 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom. We're going to come back to that part of the verse later in the sermon. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And, and, and look, please, please don't misunderstand. You know, sometimes when you preach, you have to make statements and people can take those statements out of context or realizing that anything you say is not going to work all the time. And please understand this. I realize, I understand that sometimes children are tired. They didn't have a good night's rest, and that causes them to act up. Sometimes they're hungry, and that causes them to act up. We understand that, but please listen to me very carefully. I get that, and that is true. But if every time, if every time your child disobeys, what's coming out of your mouth is, oh, he's just tired. Oh, she's just hungry. Every single time, you know, at some point it's like, well, put him down for a stinking nap and feed him something, you know, because it seems like there, it's not just something that happens every once in a while. It seems like every time they're in church, they're acting out. Every time they're, you know, you go to the grocery store, they're throwing a fit. Every time, and listen, if it's a problem where just every time you're in public, they're embarrassing you, every time you're at the bank, they're bringing their mother to shame. Instead of making excuses, you need to just decide as a parent, I'm going to confront the problem. I'm going to quit making excuses. I'm going to realize that there is a problem here. And here's the good news. The problem can be corrected. The problem can be fixed. Go back to Proverbs 22. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. A child is born with foolishness in their heart. They're born with a sin nature. They're born with a tendency or a leniency towards doing wrong. But here's the good news. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. See, the Bible says that there is a solution. And listen to me very carefully. God is wiser than you and I. God is smarter than you and I. God created you. God created me. God created your children. And just, you need to stop making excuses for your kids and realize that there is nothing extra bad about your children. There's nothing extra energetic about your children. All children are bad. All children are energetic. And the Word of God has a solution for all children. It doesn't say that rod and proof give wisdom. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. It doesn't say foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from them unless they have ADD. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you, that's not what it says. It doesn't say, well, all, all children except for your children, because your children have a little more energy. And look, please understand, there are different children with different energy levels. I mean, I've told you before, we've got a certain daughter, you know, and she's got more energy than all the other kids put together. And she's got more stubbornness than all the other kids put together. But you know what? The Bible says that the rod of correction shall drive it far from any child. And your child is not any worse than any other child. Your child is not any more energetic than any other child. Your child can be uh, taught to be well-behaved. And the problem, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I'm trying to help you out. The problem is not with the child, it's with the parents. And if you start developing this habit where you're constantly excusing your children, excusing your children, excusing your children, you know what? Eventually, you're just going to be that parent. You know, your kid's in prison and you're just making excuses. 
It just recently, my wife was telling me about a news story she saw on her, on her phone about this serial killer, this man that killed, you know, seven different people, and he locked them up in this uh, crate and these cages, and he tortured them, and he did all these things. And they interviewed his mother, and his mother said, well, he wasn't doing it because he's evil. He was just angry, just excusing her children. And, 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 but, but listen to me very carefully. That's how you raise a serial killer. That's how you raise a psychopath, where you're just constantly excusing them. Well, they're just tired. Well, they just need a nap. I know they just, you know, slashed your vehicle tires, but they're just a little cranky because I, I got them up early. No, no, no. You need to just confront the problem. And maybe you're here this morning, and, and your child is a problem. Maybe they're not well-behaved. Maybe they are disrespectful. Maybe they're not obedient and they're not listening. I'm not trying to kick you when you're down. I'm just trying to tell you, step number one, confront the problem. Quit making excuses. Realize that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Shall drive what? The foolishness far from him. Don't waste any more time. Go to Proverbs 13. Look at verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Don't waste any more time. Parents need to decide, and I'm talking to the parents in this room right now, you need to decide today that you will quit making excuses for your children and you will begin to properly discipline them the way that God has called you to correct them. Proverbs 13, verse 24, notice what the Bible says. He that spared this rod hateth the son. We're going to come back to that also later. But he, notice, that loveth him, chasteneth him, notice these words, be times. See the word be times? The word be times means early. It means they get on it early in life. It means they're not, they're not trying to deal with a 19-year-old that's rebellious or a 17-year-old that, that's rebellious. They're dealing with a 3-year-old and a 4-year-old and a 7-year-old. The Bible says, He that loveth him, chasteneth him, be times. Go to Proverbs 19. Look at verse number 18. Proverbs 19, verse number 18. Proverbs 19 and verse 18. Some of you parents need to make this your life verse right here. Proverbs 19, 18 says this, Chasten thy son while there is hope. Please don't, please, please don't miss the urgency of this verse. When it says while there is hope, means there is a day when there is no longer hope. There comes a time in the age of a child where your parenting is done where you've taught them all the character and integrity and discipline that you're going to be able to teach them. And the, left, the, the rest will be left to the police department, you know, or the United States military or whatever, because you don't get to raise them for the rest of your life. And, and I've noticed with parents, there comes frustration in their lives with their adult children because they're trying to do with their adult children what they should have been doing with their toddler. The Bible says, chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. So how do you raise children that are well-behaved? How do you raise children that are well-mannered and, and proper and obedient and respectful? Well, step number one is you confront the problem. You quit making excuses. You quit. And look, I realize, I get it. You know, kids get tired. It's true. Our kids get tired and get cranky or whatever. I understand that. But you need to come to the place where you're not excusing your child's behavior and you're confronting the problem head on and you're saying, we're going to deal with this. So what's step number one? Confront the problem. Step number two, commit to win. Commit to win. Keep your place there in Proverbs. We're going to come back to it. But go into the New Testament book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter 6. If you open up the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Do me a favor. When you get to Ephesians, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something there in Ephesians because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Ephesians chapter number 6. I want you to be able to get to it quickly. I said number one, you have to confront the problem. What does that mean? Don't make excuses for your child's behavior. Don't make excuses for the way that they are acting. But number two, the second step to raising well-behaved children is there must be a commitment on the part of the parent to win. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, don't give in. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice what he says, for this is right. It is right for children to obey their parents in the Lord. Notice verse 2, honor thy father and mother. That's from the Ten Commandments. 
He says, which is the first commandment with promise. Notice that the Bible tells us that the commandment to honor thy father and thy mother is the first commandment that God gives us with a promise. Meaning, if you keep, hey children, listen up. If you keep this commandment, God promises there's a promise attached to the commandment of honoring thy father and thy mother. What's that, uh, what's that uh, promise? Verse 3, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. God says, if you honor your parents. You say, well, what does it mean to honor your parents? Well, as a child, it means that you obey your parents because that's why verse Number two is in the context of verse number one. As an adult, it means that you uh, care for your uh, parents when they are no longer able to care for themselves. And that's a sermon for another day. But if you study the word honor, you'll find that honor is often attached to a financial taking care of. And that's what the Bible is referring to there. But I want you to notice, God says, children, and of course, honor means to respect and to reverence your parents. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment will promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. You know, I don't worry too much about, we, we try to eat healthy in our home and my wife cooks, cooks all sorts of, you know, nutritious meals and organic and all of that and we try to uh, be healthy. But you know what? My, my biggest, you know, my biggest plan for living long on this earth and, and having a good life is just honoring my parents. Because that's what the Bible says. God, you know, so I'm just going to drink that Coke and just say, you know, Pray a prayer for my parents and say, Lord, bless my parents as I drink this soda, that it may be well with me and that I may live long on this earth. Because there's a promise there. And God says it. You know, you say, oh, do you really believe that? I believe everything this book says. I believe that the rod will, will get rid of foolishness in their heart. And I believe that God will keep his promises and help you live long on the earth. If you obey your parents. But I want you to notice verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Why should they obey their parents? Not to help the parent. Not to make things easy for the parent. For this is right. Because it's the right thing to do. Listen. It is right for children to obey their parents. Go to Colossians chapter number 3. Are there in Ephesians? You're going to go past Philippians into the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 20. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 20. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 3.20. Notice what the Bible says. Ephesians and Colossians. Ephesians 6, Colossians 3 are kind of parallel passages. He says it again. He says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It is well-pleasing unto the Lord that children obey. So you say, well, what does this have to do with committing to win? What does it have to do with not giving in? Here's Here's what I mean by that. Committing to win means that the parent's will wins every time over the child's will. See, whenever there is conflict within a parent and a child, whenever there's rebellion or disobedience or, a, you know, a, a, a child is throwing themselves on the floor, they're, they're throwing a, a, a fit, you know, whatever. Whenever there's conflict between a parent and a child, it is a conflict between the parent's will and the child's will. The parent has a certain will for their child. They desire that their child clean up the toys, The child has a different will. Their will is to go play outside. You know, the parent has a will that the child make their bed. The child has a different will. They want to go, you know, do something else. They want to go, uh, you know, to the park. They want to do whatever. So here's what you need to understand. Whenever there's a conflict between mom and dad and child, if you are going to raise children that are well-behaved, that are obedient, that are not bringing you to shame, that are not embarrassing you at the bank, embarrassing you at the grocery store, embarrassing you at church, embarrassing you in the airport, embarrassing you wherever it is you are, embarrassing you at the restaurant, you're going to have to commit to win every single time. Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you remember the story of Eli last week, we're going to just look at one verse real quickly. 1 Samuel 3. You got all the first and second books clustered together. 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, I ask you to keep your place in Ephesians. I'd like you to continue to keep your place there, but also just keep your finger in 1 Samuel 3 because we're going to leave and come back to it as well. So, we're gonna, so you should be able to get to Ephesians 6, be able to get to 1 Samuel 3. But I want you to notice, remember, Eli did a terrible job at raising his own children, 
But he did a great job at raising Samuel. We talked about that last week. We talked about why that was and the fact that Eli understood that Samuel was borrowed and, and the, the fact that all of us need to understand that our children are borrowed, that God, they, they belong to God and we're going to return them back to God. But I want you to notice what God says, what the Bible says as, in regards to one of the failures of Eli's uh, uh, as a parent. 1 Samuel 3.13, he says, For I have told them that I will judge his house, this is God through the prophet speaking to Eli forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Notice what God says about Eli in regards to his children. Because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Say, why was Eli a failure? Eli was a failure because of this. Because of the fact that when there was conflict, when there was conflict between Eli and his two sons, when there was conflict, when there was a conflict of wills, when he desired they do one thing and they desired to do another thing, they won and he lost. He was not able to restrain them. He was not able to control them. And please listen to me. This happened in the life of Eli well after. It did not start when his boys were adults and fornicating and committing adultery. It started when his boys were little and he asked them to do something, and they threw a fit. And he asked them to do something, and they chose not to. And he asked them to do something, and they threw themselves on the floor. Or they, you know, uh, made some big scene. And you need to understand this. If you're going to be the type of parent who's going to raise children that are well-behaved, you need to commit to win every time. When there is a conflict between mom and the child, or dad and the child, dad and mom have to be committed to win that conflict every single time. Bad behavior in a child stems from the conflict of wills. The conflict between the parent's will and the child's will. And you must make sure to win whenever the conflict uh, uh, whenever the conflict happens, you have to win every single time. Commitment to win means this, though. And this is why this doesn't happen. This is why. Listen to me very carefully. This is why you go to the grocery store and you see some child ask for some candy bar or some toy and mom says no and child begins to cry and child begins to throw themselves on the floor and child begins to call their mom name and mom says no you're not getting the candy bar no you're not getting the toy and child begins to cry louder child begins to hit mom and mom says no child begins to run away and finally mom says fine just take the candy bar now who won that conflict and you say, well, why does that happen? Listen to me very carefully. That happens because mom does not have a commitment to win. You have to be committed, mom, and you have to be committed, dad, to win every conflict with your child. And what that means is that you're willing to be inconvenienced in order to win. See, we have a rule in our house. Mom will leave the grocery store. Oh, you better believe mom will leave that cart there full of groceries and drive home and take care of business and come back and finish doing the grocery shopping, you say, well, why would you, you know, all that inconvenience to take, you know, go down, uh, take them somewhere privately and discipline that child and make sure that they obey and then come back and finish. Why would you do that? Here's why we do that, because we're committed to win every time. I mean, we will walk out of the restaurant, we will go to the, to the van, we will take care of business and we will come back. You say, but your food will get cold. We don't care. You say, why? Because we're committed to win every time. Not, there's not going to be a time when we will give in to them. They will submit and give in to us every single time. Amen. And listen to me very carefully. The reason you lose publicly, the reason you do not win publicly is because you are not winning privately. See, here's what happens to mom. Child throws a fit at home. But at home, nobody's watching. It's just you and your kids. All your kids are bad. You know they're bad. No shame. So you give in to them. They slap you in the face. You give in to them. They want something. You say no. They want something. You say no. You give in to them. You give in to them all the time at home, at home, at home. Then it happens at the grocery store. Now you're all embarrassed. But you know why it happens at the grocery store? Because it happens at home. If you learn to win privately, you won't have to win publicly. 
If you learn to win privately, if you learn, it'll be rare the instances that you have to go out to the, obviously when they're at certain ages, you have to discipline them all the time and you're training them and we understand that. But listen to me, if you're going to have children that are going to be well behaved, you have to number one, confront the problem. You have to quit making excuses and realize there's an issue here. There's a problem here. This child is rebellious. This child has foolishness bound in its heart and we have to drive it away. But then you also, it's not just enough to realize there's an issue here, then you have to be committed to win. Every conflict. You're going to win. Why? Because you're mom. You're going to win. Why? Because you're dad. That means you leave the grocery store. That means you, uh, you, 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 you walk out of the restaurant and take care of business and come back in. That, that means that you uh, leave church early. If you have to, whatever it might be, you have to be committed to win. So what does it mean? How do you have? What are the steps to having well-behaved children. Well, number one, you confront the problem. Number two, you commit to win. You don't make excuses and you don't give in. You don't make excuses and you make sure you win every time. Now look, you can't win nine times out of ten. You can't win seven times out of ten. You got to win every time, ten times out of ten. Go back to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Look at verse number 13. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Say, Pastor, what are the steps to training well-behaved children? Well, number one, you confront the problem. Don't make excuses. Number two, you commit to win. Don't give in. Number three, consistently discipline. Consistently discipline. What does that mean? Don't be lazy. Look, you can't only commit to win. You have to commit to consistently discipline. Proverbs 23 and verse 13 says this, Withhold not correction from the child. Listen to what it says. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Go to Proverbs 13, verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 24. The Bible says, withhold not. Withhold not. That's a command. God is commanding you not to withhold correction from your child. If they need correction, you give it to them. Proverbs 23, 13, withhold not correction from a child. Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. People will say, oh, I can't spank my child. I love them too much. No, no. If a parent ever says to you, I can't spank my child because I love them too much, that individual is a liar. Right. Say, well, how can you say, how do you have the authority to say that? Well, number one, the word of God says, he that spared this rod hated the son. But listen to me, more than that, when, when someone says to you, oh, I love my child too much to spank them, here's what they really mean. I love myself too much to spank them. I, I love myself too much to get my rear end off this couch and go take care of business. I love myself too much to get my rear end off this computer chair because I've been on Facebook for the last six hours. I know my kid's been up there destroying the upstairs and, you know, uh, ruining the house. But I, I love myself too much to go deal with it. Because the Bible says, he that spareth his rod hated his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. The parents that actually take the time to discipline their children, God says, those are the parents that actually love their children. Because that, you say, well, well you know, you, if, if, I don't, if I don't discipline my child, if I don't spank them, does that mean I, I hate them? Is that what you're saying, Pastor Jimenez? Uh, that's what Solomon is saying in Proverbs 13, 24. That's what the Word of God is saying. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. And yes, that's what I'm saying too. Because that's what the Bible says. Did you keep your place in 1 Samuel? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Remember we saw the mistakes of Eli. What were the mistakes of Eli? He did not restrain his children. He did not control his children. He did not win. He did not win. When conflict arose between him and his sons, his sons won. But there's another thing that we can see from Eli in regards to his failure as a parent with his own children. 1 Samuel 2, 29. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. Wherefore, this is God again speaking to Eli. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offerings, which I have commanded in my habitation. Notice what he says. And honorest thy sons above me. God said, you know what? I told you to do certain things and you're allowing your children to go against what I said and that means you honor them more or above me. Look, if God said to spank your children and you say, no, I love my children too much, you're going to raise a Hophni Phinehas. You're, you're, you're going to be an Eli. 
Get ready to have some children of Belial coming out of your house because God said the problem with Eli is that he honored his sons more than he honored God. And listen to me. You don't think this is true? Oh, there's all, sort, there's all sorts of Christians out there who love their wife, who love their children, who love their grandchildren, who love their job, who love you know, Sunday morning football games, who honor all sorts of things more than God. Say, so should we love God more than our children? Absolutely. Amen. Say, well, I can't believe you say that. You know what? If you, love, if you put God as number one in your life, you, you will be a good father. You will be a good mother. You will be a good husband. You will be a good wife. In fact, you will be a better husband when you love God more than your wife than if you just loved your wife more than anything else. You will be a better parent when you love God more than your children or when you love your spouse more than your children or I should say differently than your children because those are different types of loves and, and, you, and you get your priorities in order. You'll actually end up being more successful in those areas than making an idol of your children or making an idol of your spouse. Here Eli failed because he, honor, he said, and honorest thy sons above me. I told you to do certain things and you said, well, I can't because I love them so much. No, you don't. You must learn to consistently discipline. Please listen to me very carefully. I'm about to make several statements, and some of you are going to take it out of context and get all offended, which is fine. I'm used to that. <laughs> but, but please listen to everything I'm going to say. I'm going to make these statements, and I want you to listen to all of it in this context, all right? Number one, dads need to discipline and not just leave it to mom. Dads need to discipline and not just leave it to mom. Dads need to be willing to come home after a full day of work and discipline their children if that's what's needed. And not simply delegate that part of child rearing to mom. Dads need to discipline and not just leave it to, for mom. With that said, moms need to discipline and not just wait for dad. Did you just hear what I said? Moms need to discipline and not just wait for dad. Moms should not be avoiding discipline and making statements like, well, you just wait till your dad father comes home. Now listen to me. Dad should be willing to come home and discipline the children if that's what's needed. But moms, it's not fair to dad to have the kids act up for you and then just make him do all the make him the bad guy when he comes home. And he's got to take care of all the discipline. You know, the first thing he does is gets home and he's got to take round up all the kids and start spanking all of them. Look, dads need to be willing to discipline their children. They should not just delegate it to mom and say, well, that's what mom does. But you know, at the same time, moms need to discipline their children and not wait for dad. Say, so what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. The parent who is being challenged needs to be the one who disciplines. Because what did we say? What is disobedience? It's a conflict between child and mom, between child and dad. And listen to me very carefully. If child is disrespecting mom, then mom needs to be the one who disciplines child. If child is disrespecting dad, then dad needs to be the one that disciplines child. The parent who is being challenged needs to be the one who is winning that conflict because otherwise you're going to end up with a child who only obeys one parent. You don't think that happens? Because that happens all the time. Where you've got a dad who says, I can't control my kids. I can't get them to do anything. They won't listen to me. But mom walks into the room and whistles and they all stand up. <laughs> or mom says, I can't control these kids. They won't listen to me. But dad gets home and all of a sudden they're all well behaved. See, when you have that situation where they listen to mom but not dad. Or they listen to dad and not mom. When you have that situation, here's what that should tell you. When you're the one that's not being listened to. That these children have the ability to obey. I'm just not doing it right. Do you understand what I just said? These children, if they're listening to dad, but they won't listen to mom, mom, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to tell you, that ought to show you that they can listen. There's just somewhere I'm failing here. I'm losing when he's winning. Or if they're listening to mom, but dad can't get them to obey. Mom must be winning in some way where dad's losing. Do you understand that? That's why it is important that the parent who's being challenged, the parent whose authority is being challenged, that parent needs to be the one who disciplines and wins that conflict. Why? Because children ought to obey mother and father. It's not, oh, well, you do what I said or I'm going to get dad. No, no, that's not a good way to raise your children. They need to learn to obey all authority. 
The parent who is being challenged needs to be disciplined. Let me say this. The parents need to be on the same team when it comes to the discipline of their children. Please listen to me very carefully. There should never, ever, 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 did I mention ever, be a time when your child pins mom versus dad or dad versus mom. There should never be a time when dad is disciplining the children that mom takes the side of the children. There should never be a time when mom is disciplining the children that dad takes the, part of the, the side of the children. If something is done wrongly or inappropriately, there's been times in, 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 in our home where, where I maybe didn't have the right information or I didn't know something and I was dealing with the kids and speaking to them and correcting certain things. And, and later on, my wife would take me aside and, and said, honey, actually, this is what happened. And she explained it to me and I, and I, and I went back and tried to correct it with the children. But you know, she never, she never did that in front of the children. Why? Because there should always be a united front between mom and dad and the children. And by the way, that's one of the, wor- that's one of the worst side effects of divorce is that when parents get divorced, now you got children pinning mom and dad versus each other. Oh, really? Well, dad bought me those new shoes. Oh, really? Well, mom bought, let me get that. There should always be a united front with mom and dad, and mom and dad should always win. You need to consistently discipline, which means, which means, which means that the parent whose authority is being challenged is a, is a parent who has to win that battle. Let me give you some thoughts in regards to consistently disciplining. Toddlers should be getting spanked all the time. (laughs) Toddlers need to be getting spanked every day. If you have a really good toddler, every other day. Most toddlers, multiple times a day. If you're going days, please listen to me very carefully. If you're going days without spanking your nine-year-old, that's normal. That's good. That means you did a good job. Nine-year-olds still need to be spanked. Ten-year-olds still need to be spanked. I'm probably going to spank my 18-year-olds. They get out of line till 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 they're on their own. But you know what? You know, toddlers, the age of toddler, you need to be correcting them at every move when they're doing something wrong because toddlers are the ones that are trying to learn. They're trying to figure out, is mom a pushover? Oh, I can't get away with it with dad, but I can get away with it with mom. Toddlers need to be being disciplined all the time. If you're going days without disciplining your toddler, I'm just telling you right now, you're doing something wrong. You're not paying attention. You're too distracted. Get off your stinking phone and start watching your child. Because a toddler, a toddler needs to be spanked every day. If you have just an angel from heaven every other day, and quite honestly, multiple times a day is probably the truth for most toddlers. As they get older, you spank them less. But look, toddlers need to be spanked all the time. That is the training. That is when you've got to win. That is when you've got to get them to realize, no, mom's in charge. Dad's in charge. I submit to them. Let me say this when it comes to consistently disciplining your children. If you have an only child... Or if you have children with a large age gap, please listen to me very carefully. If you have an only child, or if you have children with a large age gap, you need to be paying close attention to your children when they are interacting with other children. Because when it comes to disciplining, there are two major parts that you must deal with. Number one is how they interact with their authority. That's mom and dad. But secondly, a lot of disciplining is teaching children how to interact with their peers. Now, when you've got five kids running around, guess what? Most of those spankings are happening because brother's picking on sister or sister, you know, destroyed brother's artwork or whatever it might be. They're not interacting well. And we're trying to teach them, because remember from last week's sermon, we're not trying to raise well-behaved children, we're trying to raise well-behaved adults. And if you're going to be a successful adult, guess what? You're going to have to learn to play well with others. You can tell children that didn't get spanked, that, you know, because, or that didn't, get, uh, didn't have a lot of attention, because they say all sorts of inappropriate things to their peers. It's like, don't you realize that's rude? 
Don't you realize that's not something you should say? Don't you realize that's extremely offensive? But what happened is they never had a parent who said, hey, that's rude. No, you don't do that to your sibling. You don't do that. Now listen to me very carefully. That's most of the discipline, watching them interact. But here's the thing. When you have an only child or when you have a child and there's a large age group where like, you know, one of them's a teenager and the other one's a toddler, then you need to make sure when you're at church, when you're at homeschool group, when you're at a conference, when you are in any situation where your kids are interacting with other children, you need to be very vigilant to watch how they interact with other children and look for opportunities to discipline them in their ability to interact with others. That's just the truth. I'm just trying to help you be a good parent. And it's not your fault if you're an only child. If God only gave you one child or you had a child and years, years, years later, God gave you another child. That's not your fault. I'm just telling you, if you're in that situation, you need to be extra vigilant. When all the other moms are just kind of talking during homeschool group, you need to be looking at your child and seeing, how do they interact with other children? Because look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but here's the problem with children that are only children or that have a large age group because there's never there's never anyone they have to share with there's never they're just used to always getting their way and when they're interacting with other children they want their way and you need to teach children not to do that so toddlers need to be disciplined consistently only children or large age grab children need to be you know looked at when they're interacting with others you have to learn to consistently look Discipline is not something that happens once in a while. It's a full-time job with your children. It has to happen consistently all of the time. So what are the steps? Number one, confront the problem. Don't make excuses. Number two, commit to win. Don't give in. Number three, consistently discipline. Don't be lazy. Number four, go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Look at verse number 13. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Here's point number four, if you'd like to write this down. I said, number one, confront the problem. Number two, commit to win. Number three, consistently discipline. Number four, compassionately correct. Compassionately correct. You say, what did we mean? Well, we first said, don't make excuses. We secondly said, don't give in. We thirdly say, don't, said, don't be lazy. Here's number four. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. When it comes to disciplining your children, I've noticed with parents there are certain things they don't understand when it comes to discipline. I want to try to explain those to you. So I'd encourage you to write down these statements too when it comes to how to discipline your kids, okay? Here's the first thing you need to understand. It should hurt, it should hurt, but not injure. You say, what's your goal when you're spanking your children? Hurt, but not injure. Hurt, but not injure. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou, notice this word in the Bible, beatest him. Beatest him. I know people don't like that, but you know what? Every word of God is pure. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration for God. Today, when you talk about beating a child, there's negative connotations. And please understand me, we are in no way, we are in no way talking about beating a child in the sense of what most society thinks of. We're not talking about injuring a child. I'll tell you, I don't believe you should, you should hit your child in their face, in their back. I don't think you should ever hit them with a closed fist. You know, I believe, and I've said this before, and I'll say this, God gave you, God gave children an area with a little extra cushioning and a whole lot of nerves called their bottom where you could spank them and it would hurt but not injure them. We're not talking about child abuse here. We're not talking about injuring your children and bloody lips or, you know, whatever. Black eyes, that's, that's ridiculous, all right? And, you know, if, if anybody's doing that in our church, we're going to take you out and beat you, see how you like it. Okay, because we're not talking about, you know, and, and here's a good rule of thumb. If you don't know if you're injuring your children, you know, try it on yourself before you try it on them. So you'll know, it, it, look, some of you will realize, man, you know, my kids are out of control. I spank them all the time, but they never listen. You try it on yourself, and you're like, oh, turns out that doesn't hurt. <laughs> turns out they didn't even know I was spanking them. Look, if you spank your child and they don't realize it, there's a problem. It should hurt. It should be painful. But it should not injure them. 
You said, what's your goal when, when you should beat them? If thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. If you're injuring a child, you're taking it too far. Look at verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 19 and verse number 18. And by the way, the Bible talks here about a rod. A rod is a thin uh, wooden stick. That's what he's talking about. Proverbs 19.18. Proverbs 19.18. Chasten thy son while there is hope. Notice what it says. And let not thy soul spare. What's the word spare means? It means to withhold. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Don't give in to, oh, they're crying. Look, kids start crying before you even spank them. I tell my kids, go to your room. You're going to get a spanking. They're already crying on their way there. Okay, sometimes you do this and they're crying. And you're like, wow, I'm really good at this. And then you're like, oh, wait. They're just playing me for a fool, you know. Look, they should hurt but not injure. And these are the extremes that I've noticed parents take. The extreme is where they're way too soft. You know, their kid has a diaper on or a pull-up on. They've got jeans on. And they're like, stop that. Okay, that's not going to work. All right? But the other extreme is where they're just injuring a child. You know, you know, people ought to be able to walk by the mother baby room or the daddy baby room and know that you're spanking your child and, and not be like, whoa, what is going on here? It shouldn't be this big old dramatic, you know, you know, just use some common sense. Just please don't injure your children. All right. That's not what we're talking about. It should hurt, not injure. Number two, you should be calm, not angry. You should be calm, not angry. Go to Proverbs 22. Look at verse 8. Proverbs 22, verse 8. Proverbs 22, verse 8. Proverbs 22, 8 says this. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. Notice the last part of the verse. And the rod of his anger shall fail. If you are spanking your children in anger, you are going to fail as a parent. Because all that will do is create bitterness in their heart. When you are angry towards them, they will become angry towards you. That's why the Bible says, did you keep your place in Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse number 4. Notice what the Bible says. And ye fathers, notice what he says, provoke not your children to wrath. God commands us as parents, especially as fathers, because we're the ones that tend to be more temperamental. Moms are a little more compassionate. He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You don't have to turn there, but Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You need to be careful about disciplining your children while you're angry. If you are angry... You may, you need, not may, you need to send your child to the room so you're going to get a spanking and take some time to cool down. Because the Bible says the rod of his anger shall fail. Say, so well, I spanked them with the rod. But you know what? You're going to fail as a parent because children need to know they're loved. And children need to know that when you are spanking them, you are spanking them out of love. You are spanking them because you want the best for them. You are spanking them because you want to uh, make sure that they grow up to be well uh, behaved. Let me say this also. Your spankings should be age appropriate. Your spankings should be age appropriate. Look, you may have like a little one and a half year old and they're getting into something and you may just lightly tap their hand and say, no, no, and that's fine. That's good. Start teaching them boundaries. Okay? You know, you slap a little uh, one-year-old and a half and you just barely go like that and they start crying. And it's like they're more offended than anything, you know? They're just upset that someone said no to them. But you start training them. You, you try that with a 12-year-old, okay? You're an idiot. All right? You need to make sure that you're spanking age appropriately. And that, you know, if obviously a three-year-old is going to receive a different spanking than a seven-year-old. Or, if need be, a 22-year-old, or whatever it is you're speaking, I don't know. Provoke not your children to wrath. 
you need to make sure that you are calm and not angry. So when you are spanking your children, here's what you need to hear the guidelines. It should hurt, not injure. You should be calm, not angry. Here's, here's number three. Go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. You should be training, not avenging. You should be training, not avenging. Spanking your children is a tool of training. Doesn't the Bible say train up a child in the way he should go? It is a tool to educate and to train. The problem with a lot of improper spanking is that children are not, parents, excuse me, are not training their children. They are avenging themselves. You broke my vase and you're getting revenge on your vase or you're getting revenge on your whatever. That is not the point of spanking a child. And by the way, that's not why God corrects us. He's not trying to, you know, just get us back. He's chastening us. He's correcting us to help us be better, to help us understand and be well-behaved. He does that for us. He does it out of love, by the way. He does it as a love. And you should be training your children. I was meditating upon this verse earlier this week as I was thinking about this sermon. Proverbs 29, 15 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom. The rod and reproof. Now, what's reproof? Reproof is a verbal correction. Is when you correct your children verbally. Now, I want you to notice the connection. He says the rod, which is talking about a swat, a spanking with a child, you know. But then he says, and reproof, give wisdom. I'll be honest with you, I don't do well with this. All right? You know, you know fathers provoke not your children to wrath. That's for me. All right? You know, I, I try to do better at that. I'm trying to do better at that. But I was pondering that verse, and I was thinking, the Bible says the rod and reproof give wisdom. And I was thinking to myself, what does that look like? You know, how could I, as a father, do that better when I'm spanking my children to take the time, not just to spend time with the rod, but to spend time in reproof and training and teaching them? And I was just kind of pondering on that and thinking about it and trying to figure out what that would look like. And, and as I was thinking about it, it was time for, for lunch, you know, so I, my office is up upstairs in our home. So I came downstairs for lunch, and as I came downstairs, I'm just kind of thinking, the rod and reproof give wisdom. What does that look like? How, how can I implement that in my life? You know, how can I do better at that? And as I was coming down the steps, my daughter is, uh, you know, she, she has these, these uh, roller skates. You know the roller skates you put over your shoes? She has these roller skates, and she's roller skating across the tile, you know, in front of me. And then all of a sudden, I see my wife grab her and take her to the couch and put her on her lap and administer the spanking. And then picked her up and set her in front of her. And this is what she said to my daughter. She said, what did I tell you to do? And my daughter's crying. And she said, you told me to put away the roller skates. And she said to her, she asked her, what are you doing? I'm still playing with the roller skates. And she said to her, are you obeying or disobeying? And she said, I'm disobeying. And she said, put away the roller skates or you'll receive another spanking. And she took off her roller skates and put them away. And I thought to myself, man, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> the rod and reproof give wisdom. See, it's not just enough to spank them. You want to talk to them and train them. Why are you getting a spanking? What were you asked to do? What are you doing? Are you disobeying? Are you being dishonest? Are you being disorderly? See, it's not enough to just beat them. You must train them. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You must train your child. It's not a time to avenge yourself. It's a time to train them. It's a time to help them. And by the way, you must help your children to take responsibility for their own actions. You must help your children to take responsibility for their own actions. What were you asked to do? Put the roller skates away. What are you doing? Playing with the roller skates. Are you obeying or disobeying? What are we doing there? What was she doing there? She's helping the child to take responsibility for their own actions. Can I tell you as a pastor, the people that have given me the most problems over the last seven years of ministry are people whose parents never taught them to take responsibility for their own actions? I'm thinking right now of a guy who was calling around church people, talking all sorts of, spreading lies about me, talking, you know, smack about me. This was a grown man with wife and children who lived in his parents' home for a year and a half. And I, I thought, you know, when I got married, 
my dad took me aside and said, you are never moving back here again. You are going to learn to fly, little birdie, fly. You, you're 18 years old, you think you can get married? All right, we'll pay the bills too. I think about another guy who's all mad at me about something, left the church talking about me, whatever. His parents, you know, married with children. His parents bought him a vehicle. His parents put the down payment on their house. His parents make it. Here's all I'm telling you. Parents who never teach their children to take responsibility for their actions, you're not helping the child. You're not raising a good adult. You're raising someone that's going to cause problems at work, cause problems at, at uh, church, cause problems in all sorts of areas in life. Why? Because they never learn to say, you know what, I must take responsibility for myself. I must take responsibility for my own actions. When it comes to raising your children, when it comes to disciplining them, it should hurt, not injure. You should be calm, not angry. You should be training, not avenging. There are areas that you need to be looking for when it comes, areas that demand discipline. Let me give them to you just real quickly. Areas that demand discipline in your life, in the life of your children, when they are being disobedient. I told you last week, we, teach our, we try to teach our children. We don't do it all the time, and we don't do it out in public, we, you know, at home, especially with our younger ones. We try to teach them, you obey right away with a smile. You obey right away with a smile. It's not enough to obey when you want to get to it. You obey right away with a smile. You say, why do you teach your children that? Because one day when they're adults, I want them to obey God right away and with the right attitude and with a smile and have their heart right towards God and, and do it immediately, straightway, like the disciples followed Christ. So you must be looking for areas of disobedience. You must be looking for areas of disrespect. If they're rolling their eyes, if they're yelling at you, if they're giving you attitude, if they're throwing themselves on the floor and flopping around like a fish, okay, that's disrespect. You need to correct that. Areas of dishonesty. You have to be instilling in the life of your children integrity and character at a young age. And areas of being disorderly or destructive or out of control. When they're just out of control. When they're just not listening to anybody. When they're just running around doing whatever they want. You want to teach your children to be observant. Your children should not be oblivious to what's going on around them. A one-year-old or a six-month-old or a year-and-a-half-old will come into church and we're praying, Heavenly Father, bless us offering, and they're yelling, ah! Why? Because a one-year-old doesn't realize they're in a church setting, Right? A six-month-old doesn't look around and says, wait a minute, everybody's sitting. Everybody's quiet. Everybody's listening to that guy. Okay, a one-year-old doesn't think that, but you know what? A two-year-old and a three-year-old and a four-year-old should start observing. Oh, we're at a park. All the kids are running around. They're yelling. It must be okay for me to run around and yell. But they should also be able to, oh, now we're at church. Everybody's sitting quietly. They should be able to observe that. And not just be totally oblivious to the fact that there's a church service going on, but I'm just running around these chairs. You want to train your children to not be disorderly, to have order, to have control. That's the training process. But you want to move towards that direction. Go to, go to Proverbs chapter number 20. Proverbs chapter number 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse number 11. And actually, before you go there, let me just read uh, the quote from the bulletin. I like the quote. Tolerating bad behavior is the same as training defiance and rebellion in the heart of your child. Tolerating bad behavior is the same as training defiance and rebellion in the heart of the child. And listen to me very carefully. Tolerating bad behavior at home will ensure embarrassment outside of the home. Tolerating bad behavior at home will ensure that they embarrass you outside of the home. Are you there in Proverbs chapter 20? Look at verse 11. It was a verse in, your, in the bulletin also, by the way. Even a child, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. Your children are a testimony to your discipline. 
We, look, I don't have to sit there and wonder, I wonder what kind of parent so-and-so is. I wonder how, ma, how she is at home with her children. I don't, I don't need to know that. I just want your kid to know that. Because even a child is known by his doings. Now, let me, let me say this, and let me just, as we close up, let me say, say a, a couple things. Number one, those of you that are parents, you're, you're raising children, stay at it and be persistent. And just realize this. It's a training period of life. Your kids are not going to be perfect. You're training them for that reason. Let me say this to the older folks in our room, in our, in our church. Be patient with these young kids. I know you don't remember your kids. They were all bratty. You know, it's funny because people get older and they think like, well, my kids were perfect. Oh, all these kids are bad. Look at all these children. Man, I've been preaching for like an hour. Look at all these kids. They're doing a great job. And I bet they're doing way better than your kids would have done if you came to our church. Well, when I went to church, my kids didn't mess around. You didn't go to a family integrated church. Your kids were off at Sunday school class singing games and getting lollipops. So before you start coming down too hard on these kids after the service, they're a little wound up. They just sat through a sermon and heard me preach for an hour. Give them some grace, all right? So let me say this. Be patient with the children. Be persistent with the children. Why? Because this is a training period. And just realize that they're going to act up. I'm not, I'm not contradicting myself. There's going to be times when they're tired, all right? Now, if they're always acting up and they're always tired, quit making excuses. There's going to be times when they do things. I remember a couple of years ago, one of our ladies, I don't remember who because we have like 50 ladies pregnant all the time. But one of our ladies gave birth at, at a hospital, and uh, my wife and I went to go do the hospital visit, you know. And we went, and we took all our kids with us, and we weren't able to take the kids inside. So, you know, I went in first and spoke with them and gave them a little gift card or whatever and prayed. And then she went in and gave them flowers, and we talked, whatever. And we had the kids in the, in the van. And when we were driving back home, you know, it was already late. And I told my wife, I said, we're driving by a red robin. And there's no red robins in Natomas, but there happened to be a red robin over by where we were. And I told my wife, like, let's just stop at Red Robin and just have dinner, you know? Because she was like, oh, no, we can go home and I can make dinner. I'm like, honey, don't worry about it. She's like, no, I already have it all planned. And I said, let's just, let's just enjoy ourselves. And she said, okay. So we walk into the Red Robin. And when we sit down, now, usually when we go to a restaurant, you know, with five children, it's like waters for everyone, you know, and... Um, you know, you're getting the cheapest thing in the meal on the, on the thing or whatever. But we got there, and the kids had asked if they could have, like, the kids' meal. And I thought, you know what? These kids were in this van for, like, an hour. They were being well. And I said, you know what, honey? Let's just get the kids' meals, which were, like, more expensive with the drinks, you know, whatever. And then, and then they, I don't know, they, they just thought, like, oh, man, Daddy, he's not winning, <laughs> you know? So then they asked, could we get ice cream? And my wife's like, no, absolutely not. I said, honey, let's just get ice cream. So we got ice cream for all the kids. I got a milkshake. We spend way more money than we normally would have at a restaurant. And then at the end, you know, when it's time to pay the meal, I, the, the waiter comes by and I said, yeah, you know, we're getting ready to go. Can we get the, the, the ticket? And he said to me, you know, there was a lady, I don't know if you noticed, she was sitting behind you over here. She's gone now, but she said she was so impressed with how well-behaved your kids were. She paid for the whole meal. And I thought to myself, man, God must have told me because I was just spending money like crazy. Because <laughs> I don't normally get all that stuff, you know? I'm like, I was like, can I order more, you know? But here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make to you. I'm telling you that story because I want you to get the context. One week later, one week later, we're at a different restaurant with a new family who just joined our church. We're taking them out to eat, getting to know them. We're sitting there talking to them and conversating. And this old man walks up to me, just in the middle of these new family in our church. Me and my kids. This old man walks up to me and says, you are the worst parent ever. I can't believe you're letting your children do that. And I'm like, do what? And he's like, playing with knives. And I look over, and my son has a steak knife. And he's, he's getting a butter out of a dish, and he's putting it on his bread. And this guy's acting like we're just letting him play Russian roulette with, like, you know, and he's like, and I'm like, oh, you know, we're with this family. Normally I would have been like, mind your own business. But, you know, we're with this family, so I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, thank you, or whatever. I'm like, son, put that down, or whatever. You know, here's all I'm trying to tell you. What I wanted to say to him is like, you know, last week somebody paid for our meal because my kids are so good? Here's all I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. It's just training. Sometimes people are so impressed, they want to pay for your meal. And other people are like, I can't believe that you would let your kids put butter on their bread with a steak knife. They're going to cut their heads off. Look, it's just, it's training, 
right? So don't get too wound up if people, people give you compliments to your kids and then other kids complain about your kids. Just, just realize you're training the children, you're trying to help them all behave, you're trying to make them know they love the Lord, you're trying to make sure that they're obedient and they're respectful. So what are the steps? You confront the problem, you commit to win, you consistently discipline, you compassionately correct. Let's bow our heads and have a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these principles in Scripture that we can learn. And Father, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us. Help us, Lord, help us to realize, just help us to realize, some kid's going to run around after church today and do something they shouldn't do. Help us not to sit there and be critical and judgmental. Help us to remember that we are all training our children. It's a training process. And sometimes you're getting compliments, and sometimes you're getting told you're doing a terrible job. And Lord, I just, I just pray you'd help all of our parents, help all of the parents to have the wisdom and the persistence to discipline their children thoroughly, to love them, to care for them, to instruct them. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with, with our church. Lord, help us to just be raising children that will turn this world upside down for you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for families. Lord, I pray you'd bless these children in this room. Thank you for them being so good and well-behaved during the service. Lord, please help us to just do right by them as parents. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.